0: And I'm like, hello? (laughs) Like, this is not about you people, okay? This is about me. Totally humbly and unselfishly, right? So then eventually he turns to me and starts talking about me. And very quickly, I started wishing that they had gone back to Spanish. I was like, I liked it better when you weren't talking to me. (laughs) Hello, hello! Welcome back to episode 2 of season 2, I Do Because I Am. Uh, This is a podcast that I'm doing that's about identity and being yourself, and it's also a book that I'm writing at the same time. So uh, just ahead of time, forgive me throughout this entire season if I switch between the terms book and podcast and chapter and episode. I'm doing both at the same time, okay? So it's my brain kind of switches in between the two. But uh, the whole season is about false identity and different versions of that that kind of override our true identity. The first one up is being someone else. Okay, so I legit had no idea why it was called a carbon copy when I named this chapter. Uh, If you're like me, and don't live in the freaking stone age, (laughs) I'll explain to you what a carbon copy is. So a carbon copy is a piece of paper underneath another piece of paper that makes an exact copy of what you wrote on the first piece of paper. Okay? My mom had to explain this to me and I was like, oh, I didn't know this was an actual thing. So, um, some examples are checkbooks or receipt books or if you've ever been pulled over, hopefully not, but if you've ever been pulled over, the citation that the cop writes down, when you're pulled over, that's a carbon copy, right? So they say, hey, sign here, this is the date, this is the time you have to go to court or you have to pay this ticket, whatever. They tear it off and there's another piece of paper underneath what they just wrote. Usually the paper is different, but it has like a faded version of what he just wrote. And that piece of paper is a carbon copy. So obviously we don't use carbon copies all the time anymore because you can just like forward it to someone and use it digitally. but We still use the phrase, right? And we use the phrase to say, okay, these two things are exactly alike. As dancers, it's tempting to become a carbon copy of other dancers. So I discovered what dance was when I was about 11. Okay, so growing up, I was like hungry to figure out what this dance thing was, right? Um, I was a YouTube fiend. Okay, I spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours, spending time watching dance videos on YouTube. So, I first started with crump, okay, super crazy street style, super aggressive, and then I got into the more, like, technical side, and I started watching, like, tutting videos. You know, these guys were making, like, you know, shapes that didn't even exist with their hands and their bodies and stuff. Um, So, I wish I had done crumping, not crumping, tutting, before geometry class. I feel feel like my grades would have been better, but who knows. Anyways, then I get into choreography, and the two biggest people, really the biggest person that I admired in choreography was Ian Eastwood. So all these guys inspired me to grow and reach for my goals and love dance more and more every day because I was watching like hours upon hours of videos on YouTube, but my inspiration quickly turned into imitation. So I would dance like them, I would listen to music that they choreographed to, I would dress like them the whole nine. Um, especially Ian Wood, because he's like this slender guy, he's kind of tall, he has like thick black hair, you know. And so I was really skinny and slender and I eventually got tall and I have thick black hair. So I was basically like the Puerto Rican version of Ian Eastwood. Um, But my biggest mistake was that I overlooked the fact that my admiring them crossed the line into copying them. Right? And so I gave really no consideration to the fact that I have my own dance identity that I could grow in. Which, this is where it gets kind of tricky because when you look at someone else, you see them. Right? And so, unless you're super selfish, you can see what you admire about them. Right, you can see someone and be like, "Wow, they really." Or I love that they, insert blank here, you know. So when it comes to dancers, we're like, "Whoa, this person is phenomenal." Like, I love the way that they do this turn, or I love how they move their body or their flexibility. We have so many different things that we can see in other dancers, um, and we should, you know, we should admire the people that are outside of us. But then you get into this like momentum. Okay, and this momentum takes you across like the valley of inspiration and into the pit of imitation. Because as you're running across this valley, right, you are running alongside other dancers. Because no one is trying to be the best, you're trying to be the best you. Okay, I can't be someone else and they can't be me. So we're all in our own lanes, but then we get into this momentum that carries us into imitation. And that's when you start running in circles because you're just trying to be this one person and you're not growing yourself, which begs the question, okay, so if I'm in the middle of this, you know, momentum, or if you haven't gone to this momentum yet, how do I avoid this momentum? Like, how do we break this momentum so we stay in inspiration and don't get into imitation? And I personally believe that there are times, at least in... In my life, there have been times that God has kind of used other people or talked to me directly and kind of pulled me out, right? He took me off the treadmill so I wasn't running in place. He took me off and was like, hey, look down from like a bird's eye view of this scenario or of this story or of this situation. You realize you are in this, like you, the person. Okay, yeah, you're dancing, yeah, you go to school, yeah, you have family, but you are a person. Would you like to be this person? And then that's then our choice to answer and be like, I don't know what you're talking about, or you could be like, wow, you're so right. My scenario was when I went through AMTC. AMTC stands for Actors, Models, and Talent for Christ. So it's basically like a showcase where different types of artists, like dancers, singers, actors, etc., um, they showcase in front of casting agents and managers in order to get booked. That's basically the like a super boiled down version. Specifically, I wanted to get signed by Nelson, Nelson Diaz. Nelson Diaz is a manager in LA, and in my mind, I was like, fam, boy boy's moving to LA, period. Like, no one can convince me otherwise. You know, I was like, I want to be a commercial hip-hop dancer. This is where they tell me that you're supposed to do that, so I'm going. And the fact that other people lived in LA that I admired, that was just a bonus. You know, I didn't see them as connected, but they totally were. You know, I dress like them, I dance like them. I listen to music they listen to, so why not move to LA? That's where they all live. Long story short, I did two things I did a solo and I performed in a finale. I didn't get a callback after my solo, but I did get a callback after being in the finale, which was choreographed by someone else. So I went to the callback, I sat down, I was 17. I was, wow, I was 17 at the time. So I, my mom had to come in with me because I was still technically a minor, and I sat down, and I was so shook, like it was like a brick wall landed on my face, (laughs) it was in the best and worst possible way possible, so first, he completely ignores me during the first part of the interview, and he's talking with my mom, okay, and I'm like, what in the world, okay, Nelson Diaz is Puerto Rican, let me explain, and so are we, so, they start chatting in Spanish, and then she's like, you know, hey, where are you from? And it's like, oh, I'm from, I grew up in here, blah, 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 oh, I moved from the island to, you know, Philadelphia, blah, blah, blah this year, and I'm like, hello? <laughs> like, this is not about you people, okay, this is about me, totally humbly and unselfishly, right? So then eventually he turns to me and starts talking about me, and very quickly... I started wishing that they had gone back to Spanish. I was like, I liked it better when you weren't talking to me. (laughs) Because he basically just looks me in the face and goes, I called you after the finale because I saw what you could do. The reason I didn't call you after your solo is because all I saw on stage was people I already worked with. And I don't need another Ian Eastwood or Brian Puspos or any of these people. I already work with them. (laughs) I need you to be you, right? I need to see what you have to bring to the table, you know, so keep training, um, you know, send me videos. If you're ever in LA, you can like, I can hook you up with some classes or something to get training, but I cannot sign you or manage you until I see that you're being you. So (laughs) very long way to say, no, (laughs) no, no, I can't, I can't manage you. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So it was horrible, but looking back at it, that was that was the moment where God kind of like grabbed me by the head and like pulled me out of like you know, the running track that I was on or the pool, right? He just pulls me out above and makes me look down and say, "Hey, look at the situation. Would you like to be you?" <laughs> and my answer was yes. Like I could have just been like, "You know what?" Let me just keep training to be myself or whatever that means in order for me to get signed. But I realized through that meeting that this is so much bigger than dance, right? Like this is about me and I'm a dancer. So I will like express my identity through dance, but it's so much bigger, right? Like I want to be myself, even if it has nothing to do with dance. And it scared the crap out of me to be completely honest, but it was the best thing that could have happened. So when it comes to false identity, it's super hard, it's super, super hard, because we want to admire people around us, and we should, because they are worth admiring, but what I would say is, start with the start with the sentence, everyone has value in their identity and everyone is unique, right, because if you hold on to that sentence, instead of saying, oh, wow, Ian Eastwood is so unique. Wow, Keone and Maria is so unique. Wow, Scott Forsyth is so unique. Wow, Misty Copeland is so beautiful and unique. I threw that one in, right? <laughs> so like, if you say that sentence over and over again, you will neglect yourself. But if you say everyone has it, you eventually hit this wall or it's more likely that you'll hit this wall and say, wait a minute, I'm part of everyone. And you'll understand it intellectually then it will kind of sink down into your heart and you'll believe wait I'm part of everyone you know so like I said this one is really hard to get out of because we're supposed to admire other people but if you hold this balance in both hands you'll keep yourself in your dance identity because you'll realize the futility of trying to be someone else because if we're looking at it like point blank you have something to offer that no one else can like no one else can offer the world what you have to offer so literally we need you I don't know what it is that you are supposed to bring to the world but you're supposed to bring it and only you can bring it Like this is the world. The world is a giant dance party, okay? And like you have to bring the music, and this other guy brings the speakers, and the other person brings you know the waters, and the other person brings the nachos. Like everyone has something to bring, but the party won't be complete without you, okay? Like we cannot have this party without nachos, and you are bringing the nachos, okay? Like bring your dance nachos is what i'm saying if you get nothing else from this whole episode you have something to offer so if you're in the middle of that momentum try to stop yourself and think about that phrase and if you're if you haven't reached that momentum you know you can stop this from happening and have a healthy way of admiring other people and admiring yourself and if you have already been through that momentum don't regret what happened. I don't. I think this this whole thing is like part of my story. You know, I look back and I think I'm so thankful to God for pulling me out and saying, hey, do you realize this? Because that means not only did that lead up to something, but it means it's leading to something. I'm on the way to bring to the world what it is I need to bring. And that's so exciting. So hold on to that because you have something to offer all right that's it for episode two thank you so much for listening make sure you like subscribe share you know leave a review all the things that podcasters say at the end of their podcasts um I'm going to keep doing this every Saturday, so we have another episode coming next week.